0: True Crime South Africa is published in conjunction with Arena Holdings, publishers of Times Live, Business Live, Sowetan Live and others. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Arena Holdings and its affiliates. Welcome to True Crime South Africa. I'm Nicole Engelbrecht and you're listening to a Spotlight Minisode in which we discuss cases that are in the media right now. Before I get into today's minisode, I'd like to thank our newest Patreon supporters for the week. A huge thank you goes out to Nico Prinsloo, Karen Ward, Janet Yao, Shauna Lee Clark, Megan Eastman, Natasha Tablanch, Anne Hildenhage, Bev Favey, and Crystal Donovan. Thank you so much, everyone. Your assistance really is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to support the show through PayPal or Patreon, I'll leave the links in the show notes. You can also support the show by heading over to Audible and purchasing my first audiobook narration project, The Cougars Cult Killings by Yana Marks. You can also get all your health and beauty needs without leaving the house by going to the King Online website and using the discount code TCSA10 for a 10% discount, and support the show at the same time. As always, any form of support is appreciated, and it doesn't have to be financial. Sharing of episodes, inviting friends and family to listen, and interacting on social media are all great ways to keep the show growing and improving. The following episode may contain sensitive material, including descriptions of violence, sexual assault, or graphic descriptions of injuries to victims. If you feel you may be triggered by such material, please consider this before accessing our content. To access trauma counselling or services, please see the helpline information on our show notes. I first discussed the case I'm going to be talking about today in a mini-sode way back in 2019 when we didn't know what COVID was. Masks were for dust. And the words, my fellow South Africans didn't send chills down our spines and have us clutching our wine and cigarettes closer. The case centres around a South African expat, a man who spent most of his life in South Africa and then immigrated to the United States in 2014 when he met his now wife online. If you've listened to the Spotlight Minisode number 5, then you'll already know a little bit about this case but I covered it when it had just come to light, and I was recently wondering what had happened, and I see that there's now a lot more information in the public domain, including statements from the man's wife, so I've decided to cover it again in more detail. There is also now a lot more information in the public domain about the victims, which is vital, considering that they were both women who would usually be among the world's huge number of invisible victims. For those listeners that haven't heard my initial coverage of this case, I'm going to start from the beginning. Brian Stephen Smith was born in South Africa and lived in Queenstown in the Eastern Cape for most of his life. He attended Queen's College until matric. His social media presence provides very little information about his life before 2013. I managed to find two photographs of him at family gatherings on family members' pages. But his own Facebook page starts when he moved to Alaska, as does his LinkedIn profile. According to IOL, friends in South Africa described him as a quiet and helpful person who always had a smile on his face. His wife, Stephanie Brisland, who is a blues singer and former employee of the Department of Immigration in the United States, also spoke to IOL recently, and said that she and Brian met on an online gaming site in February 2013. They had their first Skype call the following month, and after that, Stephanie says that they would Skype each other at least twice a day, and sometimes four hours at a time. As they got to know each other, it became clear that a connection was developing. Brian tried to get a visa to visit Stephanie in the US but failed to meet the visa requirements. In July 2013, just six months after they'd met online, Brian proposed to Stephanie on a Skype call. She said yes, and started to plan a trip to South Africa to meet her now fiancé in person for the first time. Stephanie says that she flew into Durban, and that at least gives us some insight into Brian Smith's movements in South Africa before he left. This would make me think that he'd been living in Durban at the time, but the slightly odd thing is that Stephanie describes the trip as a holiday for both of them she doesn't describe going to smith's home at all while she was in nsa it's almost like he traveled to durban to meet her and i think that's probably because she wouldn't have been able to fly from the us directly into any airports near his home in the southern cape she described meeting brian in person for the first time at durban airport Saying that they were both excited and didn't feel awkward with each other at all. I hadn't realized what a big age gap there was between Brian and Stephanie until reading this article. He is forty eight years old, and Stephanie turned seventy this year. She definitely does not look anywhere close to that age, but the thirty year age gap is considerable. While Stephanie was in S.A., The couple stayed at a guesthouse then escort in KZN, had picnics at Wachendrift Dam and enjoyed dinners in Nottingham Road. She says that before she left, Brian bought her a token engagement ring. On her return to the US, she petitioned for a visa for her fiancé so that he could visit her in the US, and in March 2014, entry was granted. Brian flew into Washington, and Stephanie's friends threw an engagement party for the couple. Brian gave Stephanie his mother's engagement ring, and they returned to Stephanie's home in Anchorage, Alaska. It certainly seems clear that Brian had not intended to return to live in South Africa when he left in 2014, as in May, just two months after he'd arrived in the US, he and Stephanie were married. When Brian first moved to Alaska, he worked for a construction company, and that job seems to have involved a significant amount of travel. Although he left the job in 2017, and his current employment status is self-employed, he still appears to have continued travelling for whatever type of work he continued to do. It is this travel and the fact that we know very little about his movements in South Africa during his more than 40 years there that will become significant a little later. In speaking to IOL, Stephanie says that her husband took care of her, and he is a clever man who is proud of her accomplishments. Quote, He loved to pull pranks on me, and laughed like a kid at his jokes. He has a good work ethic. He was an open, Pleasant, normal person. She says that he would often surprise her with generous gifts and he enjoyed the outdoors, fixing electronics and photography. In February 2016, Stephanie and Brian came to South Africa on holiday. She says that she wanted to meet his friends and family and see where he'd grown up. They toured the Southern Cape and also visited East London, where she says that he lived and worked while he was in South Africa. So that gives us one more location for Brian Smith in South Africa. In 2020, when speaking to the reporter from IOL, Stephanie had said that it was a wonderful vacation, and that they'd planned to return to SA that year. There would be no more holidays for the couple though, because in 2020, Brian Stephen Smith was in jail in Anchorage. On the 9th of October 2019, Stephanie Brisland was on holiday in Virginia when she was contacted by Anchorage police. They informed her that they had just arrested her husband, Brian Smith, on suspicion of murder. Stephanie says that when she was first told the news, she couldn't believe it she was sure that there was some sort of mistake. But Anchorage police flew down to Virginia to talk to her, and when she saw some of the evidence they had, she realised that they were not mistaken. It is not every day that police receive photographic and video evidence of a murder, but in this case, that's exactly what they had. On the 30th of September, a woman walking in Anchorage found an SD card in the street. It was labelled, Homicide at Midtown Marriott. I guess if I found something like that, I'd probably think it was one of two things, either a home movie project of some kind, or evidence related to a police investigation. In this case, it turned out to be a bit of both. The woman handed the SD card over to Anchorage Police, who opened up the files on their computer. What they at first may have assumed was a snuff film of sorts, soon seemed to be a horrifyingly real video and still photo compilation, documenting the murder of a young woman. The SD card contained 12 video clips and 39 still photographs. The images and videos were dated between the 3rd, and the fifth of September, and they showed a young female, an indigenous Alaskan woman, laying on a carpeted floor next to a bed. Do be warned that the descriptions that I am about to give you are graphic. The young woman was naked and laying on her back. Her left eye was swollen closed, and a trickle of blood ran from it. Her right eye was open and stared unseeingly into the space in front of her. Her lips were also bloodied and swollen. She had clearly been severely beaten. More disturbing were the video clips in which the young woman was strangled and beaten. In some clips, while the woman is being strangled, she claws at her assailant's hands. The large hand occasionally releases its grip on her, and she gasps for breath, before it clamps down on her again. A man's voice floats through the ether, complaining that his hand is getting tired from strangling the woman. He's speaking to the victim, and says, Just die, bitch. My hand is getting tired. Before stomping on her neck with his boot. Later images show the woman wrapped in a sheet with her head exposed. She is on a cart and being loaded into the back of a black truck, or what we would call a bucky in South Africa. Police officers realised that this was no staged act. This was very real documentation of a brutal murder. It would be the voice of the man speaking in the video that would lead them to their killer. At first, they thought that he sounded British or Australian. There are differing accounts about how they actually arrived at the conclusion that the accent was South African. Some sources say that one policeman had recognised the accent from a prior contact with Brian Smith, while others say that they just ran through recordings of various accents until they found one that matched. As there are not very many South Africans living in Anchorage, they had a small pool of suspects. As part of their investigation, they had to determine where the video was filmed. The label on the SD card, of course, gave them a clue, and police visited all three Marriott hotels in Midtown Anchorage until they found the one that had carpets matching those in the photographs. They of course also had dates on which the homicide occurred, so by searching hotel records, they were able to come up with Brian Smith's name. He had booked a hotel room during that period, and hotel staff remembered seeing him with a woman of indigenous Alaskan heritage. Smith's records showed that he was indeed South African so now they knew who the killer was, but they still did not know who the victim was. This would change when on the 2nd of October 2019, a body was found on the side of Seward Highway, just outside Anchorage. The body would be identified as 30-year-old Kathleen Henry, and police were able to match her to the horrific images from the SD card. Kathleen Henry described herself on Facebook as a tough Alaskan chick. She posted quite a lot on social media and was very proud of the fact that she had managed to obtain her GED, the US equivalent of South Africa's matric, when she was 24, despite having dropped out of school at the age of 14. Kathleen had clearly had a rough start in life, And she'd found herself in trouble with the police on occasion she'd also dealt with addiction issues but by all accounts at the time of her murder she was working toward a far brighter future kathleen was born in bethel alaska in 1988 and grew up in a tiny village called eek the village has just 474 residents and only received permanent water services from their local council for the first time in 2019. She was divorced at the time of her murder, and from some of her posts on Facebook, she appeared to have been in several abusive relationships in the past. Despite having been on this side of the highway for a month after her murder, there was no official report logged of Kathleen's disappearance. This is a huge problem in indigenous communities in America and Canada, where people say that their cases are not taken seriously by police. In 2016, it was estimated that 5,712 indigenous women and girls were missing in America, but a mere 116 of those cases made it to the US Department of Justice's formal missing persons database. Kathleen's case didn't make the cut. If it hadn't been for a chance discovery by a passing motorist, she may never have been found. Brian Smith was arrested on the 9th of October 2019 as he arrived at Ted Stevens International Airport in Anchorage from an unknown destination. Simultaneously, A search warrant was conducted at his home, and all of his electronics were seized. Then the police made that call to his wife. Cell phone records were also able to put Brian Smith in the various pertinent locations at the times of the murder and the disposal of Kathleen's body. Stephanie returned from Virginia to Anchorage, to a barrage of messages on her social media accounts, once the story hit the media. She described herself as being lost during that time, and despite what he was accused of, she was worried about her husband. On the 17th of October, Brian Smith confessed to another murder. He told police that in 2018, he had shot and killed another woman in Anchorage, He showed police where he'd disposed of the woman's body, and the second victim was identified as Veronica Abuchak. 52-year-old Veronica Abuchak had been homeless at the time of her disappearance. She'd become estranged from her children and grandchildren at some point, but before her death, they say that she'd started to make contact again and indicated that she wanted to return home. It's unknown at this point as to how Veronica crossed paths with Brian Smith. Smith has now been charged with both murders, as well as several other charges relating to the torture of Kathleen and the abuse of her corpse. The latter charge stems from the belief that Smith raped Kathleen after she had died. He has remained in jail as he's unable to raise his bail amount of $2 million. The bail has been set at this amount, because Smith is seen as a significant flight risk, considering his family in South Africa. Stephanie Brisland remains married to Brian Smith. She says that people have questioned why she has not divorced him, and she says that she feels that it is her role as his partner to help him heal from what he has done. At the same time she admits that from a psychological perspective she has found it very difficult to be with him. She now sees a therapist regularly and often questions how she could not have seen what he was doing. In what would be a throwaway comment if it weren't for the context she says that Brian really enjoyed going on solo trips around Alaska, which he would document on video and in photographs. Despite having confessed to Veronica's murder and having very little way out of Kathleen's murder, considering it's on video, Smith has entered a plea of not guilty to both charges. Some reports say that if he's found guilty of all charges, he could face a sentence of up to 99 years in prison. The last report of activity on this case was in February 2020. At that time, Smith's lawyer had asked for an additional two months to prepare for the case, and the trial was set to start in April 2020. Of course, the court would have had no idea when they set that date, that in March 2020, the entire world would, for all intents and purposes, grind to a halt. According to an article in Time magazine, since COVID-19 was declared a national emergency in March 2020 in the US, every state has scaled back or cancelled in-person criminal court proceedings. This has left hundreds of thousands of victims in a holding pattern waiting for justice. It has also meant that awaiting trial prisoners are now finding loopholes in their cases because they have had to wait more than a year for their trials to commence. Some with health issues were able to petition to be released while they awaited their trials, citing their fear of contracting COVID while in jail. Thankfully, Brian Smith was not one of these, and he remains in prison awaiting the commencement of his trial. When this will happen, though, is anyone's guess, as the US judicial system is now dealing with an enormous backlog. The Time magazine article says that New York alone has a backlog of 49,000 criminal proceedings that still need to be undertaken due to the delays. As I mentioned the first time I covered this case, I cannot shake the concern that there may be more victims of Brian Smith out there, and not just in Alaska. He lived in South Africa for more than 40 years, and while it's not unheard of for a serial murderer to begin their crimes at that age, it is uncommon. Smith has a clear predilection for victims that would, for the most part, be ignored by most women living difficult lives, some homeless, and all falling into what I call the invisible victim category. If he did commit crimes in South Africa, it is highly likely that he targeted the same types of victims. One article does say that there is an international investigation underway between South African and American authorities to determine whether there are more victims, and I really hope that this too has not been derailed by COVID. Kathleen Joe Henry and Veronica Abuchak had their lives brutally snatched away, and justice cannot wait anymore. I'll keep an eye on this case and update you when the trial eventually starts. Thank you for listening to today's mini-sode. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe to the show on the platform you're using to listen right now. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, as always, thank you for your support and I'll chat to you soon.